Greetings and welcome to the Christopher Anastasio podcast. This is Thursday, July 29th, 2021. And it's actually the second day in a row that I've been able to record a podcast. So I'm really excited about that uh, to get a a new episode up for you guys so quickly. Uh, Definitely trying to get into a faster rhythm with shorter episodes. So I think I've stated that goal now 10 or 15 times in the past on this podcast. Hopefully I'm actually getting closer to uh, realizing it. So what I want to talk to you guys about uh, briefly today uh, has to do with um, a really riveting, uh, compelling series of articles that uh, the website ProPublica uh, has released um, about uh, tax information you know, mostly pertaining to the very, very wealthy people in America, uh, you know, but but also kind of covers other scenarios related to that. Uh, It's just that their their focus has been on these um, on these tax returns of extremely wealthy people because they gained the information um, illicitly by someone who leaked these tax returns. It's kind of a an interesting and sort of shadowy backstory as to how they they came across this information, but that's not really a subject of today's podcast. It's just it kind of give you a little background on where I'm coming from with this, um, and, and and it's just it's going to be really interesting to see if they ever find out who leaked all these tax returns. I mean, I'm talking numerous years of returns for people like Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, uh, Michael Bloomberg, Elon Musk. I mean, the real the top top you know, uh, um, multi-billionaires, whatever you want to call them, chenta billionaires, I think deca billionaires, whatever the, the actual term is. So um, these returns have been analyzed in depth by the staff at ProPublica. I think there's three or four journalists who are sort of working on this series. And what they've been doing is they've been releasing since early June two types of articles. Uh, the main articles, there's three of them, are the very in-depth, lengthy, sort of expose-type articles that really take like an aspect of how very wealthy people maneuver within the tax code, the existing tax code, and it sort of puts on display how they use these loopholes and these, these, these different tax mechanisms to, you know, extremely reduce or virtually so there were these two different types of articles, uh, as I just said a, a, a moment ago. I'm still breaking the action here, guys. Um, as I said a moment ago, there were three articles that were extremely in-depth, extremely um, detailed in the analysis of like the actual strategy and the tax mechanisms being used to, to reduce or avoid taxes. And then there's a, an unknown number. I didn't, I didn't count the number of articles that ProPublica has published in between the three major articles to just kind of say, hey, you know, here are some updates on, you know, why we're doing this series, you know, what's happening, you know, politically because of this series, like how are, you know, how are Congress, you know, Congress uh, members reacting to these stories, you know, things like that. So so basically there's there's a lot of different like little articles that they're publishing to, you know, kind of you know, put out, um, uh, you know, sort of like current information on the effect that their series, this tax series is having. So what I would encourage you guys to do if you're interested is to start with those three major articles 
Um, and I've put them up in various places on my social media pages. I mean, on, on the Christopher Anastasio Facebook page. I think it's on my Wealth for Real page as well. Uh, but just at a high level, so you don't have to dig around too hard. The three articles you're looking for, so obviously if you're searching, it's ProPublica, tax articles, something like that. And then the three different ones are um, uh, the one about... Um, well, the first one is hard to put into one category. It's, it's primarily about how um, wealthy people use bu- the buy, borrow, die concept, which I've talked about before on this podcast. So you could put in something about buy, borrow, die. Uh, the second one was about Roth IRAs and Peter Thiel. He was, he was specifically profiled in that one. Uh, and the third one, the most recent one, was about sports owners, about how sports owners use their team's assets to kind of like depreciate them and offset their taxes that way. Okay, so those are kind of the big three that you'd be looking for. Um, But, you know, all the other articles that they've published, you can just, I mean, once you're hunting around on their website, you'll see all the other stuff there. Uh, But I definitely would start with those, those big three because those catch you up to the issues of the day in terms of what ProPublica has exposed in these uh, tax returns that they've gotten their hands on. So all that out of the way, and that's a lot of background, I know, but I, I need to do more specific um, podcasts about each one of those articles. It's kind of overdue, actually, because they started coming out in early June. And I will. I'll do probably an entire episode about each one of the big three articles, maybe even more than that. Um, but for this particular episode, I just had a more reactionary take on the latest article they released. And again, it was one of these minor ones. It was just an update on this whole situation of the, what they've kind of casted as the misuse of individual retirement accounts or IRAs. And so the quick story there is, um, and you'll, you'll read about this in the Peter Thiel article, the real big you know, second article that they, they put out. Uh, but there's this whole loophole with um, with Roth IRAs in particular. You know, Roth IRA, you invest in it with after-tax dollars, and then when you take out the money after 59 and a half years old, that money is tax-free. Okay, you've already taken care of your tax obligation up front uh, before you even invest into this vehicle. So what they discovered was that the chief sort of um, agitator of misusing the Roth IRA uh, in terms of its the, the intent of it or the spirit of it, was Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel was part of PayPal. He also uh, started the company Palantir. So he's a billionaire, and he took his uh, shares of PayPal when PayPal was worth nothing, put them into a Roth IRA, and then when the company went public, those shares exploded in value to, like, millions of dollars that he then had sort of protected in this tax-sheltered IRA, and then he used the money in the in the Roth IRA to go buy new companies and new startups and new investments, and all of it was accumulating and growing tax free. And he can keep it that way if he doesn't take any of it out until he's fifty nine and a half. So basically, you know, so Peter Thiel has like five billion dollars in a Roth IRA. Meanwhile, the average American has like thirty nine thousand. So that that was the big disconnect that they were profiling in this article. Okay, so. So since that article came out, and I believe that second article hit in like late June, it was like the week before the 4th of July weekend or something like that, maybe 10 days before. Um, Since that article came out, uh, several representatives in Congress, I think uh, there's three senators in particular uh, who have taken notice of this fact and really started to champion uh, reforming the, 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 the rules around IRAs, okay? 
And, you know, they've really come out and sort of blasted the people who have abused it, and, and they've, they've sort of cast them as, you know, tax cheats. If they haven't actually used that term, they've kind of implied it. And, you know, it's, it's a gray area as to whether, you know, something wrong was done here. I mean, obviously the law allowed for these type of investments to be put into a Roth IRA, such as a, uh, the shares of a startup company. Uh, it allowed for that. Um, what it doesn't define is how you value those shares. And of course, when Peter Thiel put his shares into his Roth IRA, they valued them very low because they wanted it to be, uh, they wanted to fit under the cap for a Roth IRA, which I believe at the time he did it was $2,000. I think now it's like 6000 so, so there's, there's gray area on that for sure. I think it's worth a debate as to, you know, how that mechanism gets used. But the current dialogue coming out of Congress is that, you know, something very wrong was done here, or certainly that's the implication. And it's, it's simply uh, distorting, you know, some of the facts about, you know, how this all came about. And I think what's really the the subject of this podcast and what really kind of amazes me that I just have to sort of get off my chest here is how all of these laws that are being um, exposed in these ProPublica articles and through other discourse that we've had over time in our society about taxes is they all come from the same place. And that is Congress. Congress is discharged with the duty of, you know, creating and, and managing and applying a tax code. Now, of course, we know that there's not one representative in the Senate or the House that writes any word in the tax code. It's all done by tax lawyers and CPAs and people who just have, you know, that background. They actually draft this language and this material, and they put this tax code together in actuality. But the problem is it doesn't absolve the Congress of the responsibility to make sure that the tax code is fair and equitable and it, that it's working. So where I think it all boils down to is as Congress sort of goes after these individuals who've benefited from these laws that they are indeed responsible for, that being the Congress, is that we really only have one of two possibilities as to where Congress falls in all this, in this entire equation. They are either A, complicit with the people who abused these laws, right? Because, because we have to assume on some level that Congress is smart enough to know what the implications of these laws are, right? Like when the Roth IRA law was passed in 1997, I think the average American would assume that a member of Congress elected to, you know, make our laws and and help run our country, that they would be smart enough to understand that this law allowed for someone to put shares of a startup company into the IRA and then watch its value explode as it went public. Like, Like a fairly intelligent individual who's passing that law should understand that. Right? I, I would say that's actually a fairly basic stipulation of the law that could be grasped by a lawmaker, right? Even if they're not a tax attorney, even if they're not a CPA, they could look at that law and say, what could be invested in this vehicle? Well, you know, Congressperson X, these types of things could be invested in it. You know, cash from a salary, uh, you know, shares of stock, 
you know, real estate holdings, shares of a startup company. I mean, you know, whatever. I'm just sort of making this list up, obviously. But the point is, Congress is either complicit because they passed the law knowing the loophole existed, so therefore they made the provision available for wealthy people to exploit, or you're left with only one other conclusion, that they're too stupid to understand what law they passed, right? So, so if they're not complicit, if you say, well, no, you know, uh, members of Congress are fundamentally good people, they're fundamentally decent, they don't do things like that, they don't, they don't corroborate, you know, with, uh, or collaborate with wealthy people, uh, you know, so on and so forth. If you're that naive, um, you know, I hate to say it that way, but if you're that naive, then you're only left with one other conclusion. And the conclusion is that your congressperson or congresspeople that you're standing up for are too dumb to understand the implications of the law they passed. Okay, now that alone has its own implications, right? So if, you're, if, you're, if your lawmaker that you stand behind, that you voted for, that you believe in, is too dumb to understand that a law like the Roth IRA law would allow wealthy people to do what Peter Thiel did, then why are they passing any laws, right? Why, why would you entrust them to pass any law? Because clearly they don't understand the power of unintended consequences, right? They don't understand that when they create a law and they write all these provisions into it, that they may be leaving exposed loopholes. They may be leaving exposed the possibility that the law will be skirted or ducked or, or twisted, right? So in other words, they're not capable of passing sound laws. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and, and honestly, I think, guys, to be, to be really frank, I think the Roth IRA law is a perfect example of this. Okay, and I'm sure there's tons of examples of it. And, you know, I could probably think of five or 10 or 20 off the top of my head that are in the same, same category of laws that got passed by Congress that left open these massive loopholes that somebody eventually exploited. And that you start, you know, scratching your head later and saying, well, how in God's name did the members of Congress who passed this law not see that there was this big gaping hole in this law? Right? And then again, it, it always leads you to only one of two conclusions. They either meant to leave the loophole there, right? Or they're too stupid to see the loophole. I mean, what else could you conclude? Right? So this whole uproar over, you know, the misuse of IRAs and this big investigation that's going on, I think it's led by Senator Warren and Senator Wyden and um, forget the third senator off the top of my head. You know, where they're looking at, well, well, geez, you know, we're finding, you know, it's not just Peter Thiel, but there's, you know, thousands of Americans with millions of dollars in these IRAs when the average person has only $40,000 in the, in the IRA that they have. You know, how could this be? Well, let's just trace it back to the beginning. Let's look at the passage of the Roth IRA law. Let's see how the law was originally constructed. Let's see what the debate was when the law was being passed. You know, did, did anybody talk about this? Did anybody bring up this question? Hey, could, you know, could somebody put something in a Roth IRA that initially is underneath the cap? You know, whatever it was, $2,000 at the time. But maybe one day will grow so big that it's going to really become sort of a misuse of the... I mean, did, did anybody even examine 
just the types of things you can put in an IRA. Forget about forecasting whether they grow or not. But do they just look and see, like, okay, well, what can somebody put in a Roth IRA? Can they put this in? Can they put that in? I mean, these are basic questions that I think most people probably expect their representative or representatives to ask, right? So if they were asking these questions and they were getting these answers, well, why did they leave it that way? Why did they leave it so that a person who has an advantage over the average person has access to startup companies that go public, and that's not most Americans. I mean, most Americans do not have, you know, an inroad to a promising tech company that is initially private and worth nothing, but is suddenly about to become worth millions or billions of dollars. That doesn't happen to most Americans. So why wasn't that question examined closer when the law was being passed? And if it was examined, why was it left open? Why was it left in there? Right? Was it a breadcrumb for wealthy people to sort of have their tax attorney seize upon and take advantage of? Or if not, you know, if our, if our elected representatives would never try to give an advantage to a wealthy person, then why were they too stupid to recognize it? Like, why were they too stupid? Why were they too stupid to see it? I mean, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA. I do have an interest in taxes and finance. Okay, so, you know, maybe that separates me a little bit from someone else who'd be looking at this subject, but I by no means am credentialed or qualified on paper to look at a law like this. But I would look at this thing and say, hey, what can you put in a Roth IRA? Okay, well, what, what if you put that thing in a, in a Roth IRA? What could happen to it? Could it, could it grow to millions or billions of dollars and, and end, up, you know, end up basically taking advantage or abusing the vehicle? I mean, this would be probably one of the first questions that most people with their heads screwed on straight who are interested in this subject would ask, right? So it just becomes flabbergasting that we end up in this situation where the law gets passed, the law gets used, and then the people who used it who've sort of separated themselves by, by their advantage, by their, their luck, by their effort, whatever you want to call it, but they followed the law, are then demonized on the back end for following the law that Congress passed and didn't have the wherewithal to pass that law to a more effective condition, right? They, they, they didn't have the wherewithal to pass the law in such a way that this type of advantage would not be created. So it's really quite stunning to me that we now have the dialogue that we have about this subject, uh, that we have senators, we have representatives who are up in arms about this, who are beyond stunned that these IRAs grew out of control like this, and yet they are the very body that constructed this law, okay? And so, you know, I have my own opinion on whether there was collusion or whether there was a sort of a wink and a nod, like, hey, guys, you know, here's a Roth IRA for middle-class Americans, but, oh, yeah, we left this trap door open here in the background for, you know, high-priced tax attorneys to exploit for their wealthy clients who will eventually donate to our campaigns, right? So, you know, in all sincerity, I tend to lean that direction in terms of why this was done. But if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that politicians do that sort of thing, well, then you, unfortunately, are forced to confront the other reality, which is that the representatives are not qualified or capable of passing laws that actually hold up under scrutiny, that actually do their intended effect, 
because they're too dumb or too stupid or too ignorant to realize the second order effects of the laws that they're passing. So anyway, guys, I know this was a little bit rushed out because I haven't really had a chance to analyze with you or talk through with you um, these actual tax articles that have come out. And I mean, that's really where the bread gets buttered because, I mean, there's just so much stuff in there. guys. I mean, you might even need multiple episodes to do each article. Um, so this was kind of a, you know, you're hearing the end of the story before you maybe see the beginning of the story, but I just kind of wanted to get this out. It was, it was a reaction. I just felt I had to share with you guys because it was the latest article to drop from ProPublica, I believe it got published yesterday. Um, you know, you know, about this congressional action on IRAs. So anyway, guys, uh, take a look at it, check the articles. You can always drop me a note if you can't find them. Uh, but like I said, they should be on, you know, multiple pages and, and uh, venues that I've, that I've posted on. Um, but I think you'll, you'll find it fascinating. It's eye-opening. It, it can be a little bit frustrating for sure uh, to see how some of this stuff unfolded. Uh, it's just, it's, it's not to say that you should like what's happening. It's just, I think we need to direct the attention and, and the anger, if there is any anger, in the right direction. And the right direction, at least to start with, maybe it doesn't end there, but it starts with the body responsible for these laws. Okay, and that's the Congress. So anyway, just appreciate you guys listening to this. I would love to hear the feedback. I think there's a lot of healthy debate that could be had on this subject. So definitely uh, wanted to get something out about this today. And there will be more uh, forthcoming uh, on this subject um, uh, for certain. So uh, definitely appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys sharing it. Appreciate you guys liking it. Uh, And again, some of your feedback, you know, would love to hear what you think about it and what your take is on it. All right. Thanks again so much, guys. And we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.